God. Would you pray with me as we prepare our own hearts? God, you are mighty. And we are small. God, this morning as we open up your word together, would you remind us over and over and over again that nothing is impossible with you? And Lord, would you remind us that that is most perfectly displayed in the way that you sent your son Jesus to die on our behalf, that we might have new life. Help us this Advent season to wait well, rejoicing in what you've done, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. For nothing is impossible with God. 2,000 years ago, in a city called Nazareth, in this very moment that we read about right here, hope was awakened. Hope was reborn. Now, it's hard for us, and I want to admit this, it's hard for us to place ourselves in Mary's shoes, to really know what in the world was going on in, in her mind. But let me just try for just a moment. Just imagine for a moment what's going on here. There's a few things that to most people would rock our world. First, she is visited by an angel. Anybody, when was the last time? Any, when was the last time that happened to you? Mostly through scripture, when, when angels come, people fall on their knees hoping they don't die. So first, she was visited by an angel named Gabriel. Second, Mary, a virgin, is told she is going to have a baby and stay a virgin. Now, I know a little bit about how these things work, but I'm about 100% sure that's not normal. Third, (laughs) Mary was told not only that she would have a son, but that this son would be the son of God. No big deal, right? This is the reality of what, what, where Mary finds herself in this text. Almost 700 years removed from when the prophet Isaiah wrote Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. 700 years later, Gabriel is visiting Mary. You see, generations of Israelites had been waiting for this man. The Messiah, the one who would bring hope, who would bring deliverance. There's no doubt, though, in my mind, that as years passed, for many people, this great hope that they once had diminished. As generations came and went, did not see the Messiah come. There's no doubt in my mind that hope lessened, excitement lessened. Would the Messiah really come? Would he really come? Yet in this moment, as Gabriel visits Mary, hope is awakened. He is coming. She is told he is coming, and he's coming through you. 
See, you and I now, we find ourselves on a different side of history than Mary is in this moment. You see, we, we have most of our lives, if we are Christians, spend time looking back at what Jesus has already done. We spent much of our time in this Christmas season as Christians trying to remember this baby. But we must remember what he came to do. It was not just simply to be a baby. Jesus was a baby came to die. He was a baby who, who was coming to die. And for the last roughly 1,500 years, Christians throughout the world have been celebrating this season called Advent. It was a season where, where, where we look back to what Jesus has already accomplished with joy and with gratitude and with thankfulness as it leads up to celebrating his birth on Christmas Day. Advent was a season of waiting and has been throughout history. On December 2nd, in the city of Barcelona, a German pastor named Dietrich Bonhoeffer preached an Advent sermon. And he started it like this. He said, celebrating Advent means learning how to wait. Waiting is an art which our impatient age has forgotten. Well, friends, it doesn't look like much has changed. We live in a day of instant gratification. Waiting is, is not a strong point. Can I just be real with you? Amazon Prime is my dear friend and greatest enemy all in one package. Like all together. Two days, things can be on my door, just about anything I want. And they've always got great deals. What is up? Or at one point in time, did a five-minute wait in a drive through restaurant become late service? Like at what point in time is it, I've waited five minutes, my food's not ready, are you kidding me? I know how long it takes me to cook anything. We don't know how to wait. Yet, this word Advent means the coming or a coming. And for 1,500 years now, Christians have celebrated this time as a time of learning how to wait. You see, Advent isn't simply just putting something together for the four weeks leading up to Christmas, hoping you can focus in the midst of all these other things. No, Advent is a particular season where we have the privilege of focusing on Jesus' birth, but also that he's coming again. As I look through even history as far as how the church has celebrated, it was never just simply to celebrate the birth of Jesus. It was always, always focused on what he'd accomplished and that he's coming again. This twin focus during Advent season. So as we think about Advent, I want to just encourage you. Do you know we're actually joining in something that's been practiced for over 1,500 years by believers? This is nothing new. This is us joining with fellow believers throughout history, learning how to wait. I truly believe that you and I 
wrestle with some of the same things that our fellow Christians of, thousand, of a thousand years ago wrestled with. Sure, I think there are some unique challenges to our day, but I think there were also unique challenges to theirs. But I think we are far more alike than we are different. I think they struggled with discouragement in the face of their own sin. I think they were tempted to lose heart as dear friends and family had no desire to love and serve God. I think they were frustrated as they watched the wicked people of their day prosper. And I think they got tired of waiting. Tired of hoping that Jesus would come soon to end all of their pain, end all of their grief, all of their heartache, all of their sadness. But if we are going to stand, to persevere, to endure, as many of them did, we need hope. We need hope. And we find that in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus came and he accomplished his mission he was sent to complete. And he is coming again to make all things right. That is where we find our hope. So friends, today, if we do nothing else, I want you to leave here today realizing there is hope. There is hope. I want us to look behind at what Jesus has accomplished and ahead to what Jesus promised he will accomplish. And as we walk through this particular Christmas season, I think we can be radically different than the world around us. We have a hope built on a great Savior who is coming again. So let's look together at at what I would call two just foundational uh, reasons for hope for our lives today. And the first one is, is just very simple. We have hope because he accomplished his mission. We have hope because Jesus Christ accomplished his mission. You see, when angel Gabriel... When he visited Mary, it was just the next step in God unfolding his plan of salvation. While God's people waited year after year, generation after generation, God was not flustered. He was not late. There was no unforeseen event that forced his hand. We can read all over the Gospels about what Jesus had done. But what we find is he came at the right time. Turn with me to Galatians 4. I want to just show you. It was actually in the Advent video we watched just a moment ago. But I just want to remind us today that this was no accident. This was, nothing, this was not something that just God thought up of because he saw something going really bad and he didn't know how to fix it. So I guess this is what we'll do. No. This was planned. Galatians chapter 4 Verse 4 and 5 reads like this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. This shows us first and foremost that Jesus came as he planned in the fullness of time. That's an interesting phrase. You know, I don't use that in my regular conversation. In the fullness of time, 
I was hungry and made, I, got, I, don't, I don't use that in normal conversation. It just means at the right time. Or when everything was prepared and ready. I love the note in the ESV study Bible. It says this, God sent his son at the right moment in human history. When God's providential oversight of the events of the world had directed and prepared both peoples and nations for the incarnation and ministry of Christ and for the proclamation of the gospel. Friends, this is actually where we find our greatest hope because this is the kind of God that we serve. A God that rules and reigns over all things. He did not send his son earlier than he intended. Like I said earlier, no unforeseen events forced his hand. In the fullness of time, God sent Jesus to the world. Consider with me just for a moment the, the Bible you have in your hands, or if you're reading it on, uh, on a phone, consider just for a moment this thing we call the New Testament. It was originally written in Koine Greek, which is interesting. It wasn't written in Hebrew, which would have been the, the, the religious language of its day. The, the Jewish leaders um, operated out of the Hebrew text. They, they understood Hebrew and used it in the synagogues, but it, it wasn't really known by most of the common Jews. But it also wasn't written in Aramaic, which would have been their, their common language that the Jews used among each other just for daily conversation. It was, it was our English. It, that's what they used every day. No. It was written in a language called Koine Greek. This was a language that as the Roman Empire continued to grow, this language was taken with it. To the point where it was the, it was the language that crossed boundaries of religion and location and culture. It had become the language of business and education. It was the language that was most written and spoken in cross-cultural communication throughout the region. I don't know what you think, but to me that sounds like the fullness of time. <laughs> sounds like God was preparing the world for his son Jesus. So that when he came, they had the words to speak. They could communicate clearly. But in order for that gospel to move much further than where they were, they would have needed a way to send it. And in a day without email, texting, Twitter, without, phone, without uh, automobiles and Trains and planes, how was this gospel to, to spread throughout the region? Well, it just so happens that as the Roman Empire expanded uh, to touch much of Europe and Africa and the Middle East, they brought with it an intricate and extensive system of roads to keep everything connected back to Rome. It was the perfect interconnected system for the gospel to spread like wildfire. Common language, connected roads, the fullness of time. God had prepared the world for Jesus. Jesus was born at just the right time. It reminds me of one of my, my favorite fantasy series, The Lord of the Rings, where Gandalf the Wizard reminds us, a wizard is never late, nor is he early. But when does he arrive? He arrives precisely when he means to. I couldn't help as I was reading that. It just came to my mind. This was the perfect time. He knew exactly when he was coming. God had planned it out to a T 
and it was here. But we must understand, what did this man Jesus come to do? He came at the right time, at the perfect time, but what did he come to do? Well, verse 5 tells us this. To redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. You see, during this Christmas season, we will always celebrate the radical coming of Jesus to the earth. But we must always remember, Jesus came to die. He came to die. His mission was to fulfill God's plan. That we, that all those might trust, that all of those that trust in him might be adopted as sons and daughters of the king. You see, many... Many of God's people throughout history waited with hopeful expectation for the coming of Jesus. Now we, we get to look back. We get to look back and say, it's, it's been done. It is finished. Jesus came, he lived, he died. He purchased for us what we could not purchase on our, our own. Forgiveness of sins and a new relationship with God. If you want hope, you've got to start there. There is no hope outside of Jesus accomplishing his purpose. Jesus came at the right time, but he also died at the right time. Romans 5, 6-8 reminds us that for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one who will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die, but God showed his love for us. That in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, if you want hope, you need to return here first. That Jesus was born at the right time. He died at the right time. That we might have life. This great truth that Jesus accomplished everything he set to accomplish is what gives us hope today. You want hope. You've got to understand this. You see, this kind of hope in in Jesus should give us confidence because we know Jesus has taken care of our sin. It should bring us great joy because we know we did not deserve it. And it should give us courage because we know what the world needs, the message of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, this should give us hope because we trust that nothing is impossible with God and he accomplished what he set out to accomplish But the thing that I love most about Advent is that our hope is not a one-dimensional hope. In fact, it is not simply just fixed on Christ's past work. But we have a hope that points in two different directions. We have a hope that points to what Jesus has already accomplished. But our hope points to the fact that Jesus has promised he's coming again. If you want to find hope right now where you are in history, we've got to look both ways. We've got to say, I know what Jesus has done, but I know what he's promised he's going to do. And this brings us to really the second reason I think we have all people have the most hope is because he is coming again. You see, we find ourselves, believe it or not, in the same situation that Christians over the last 1500 years have been in. The reason they celebrated Advent was to remember what Jesus has done and look to his next coming. 
Turn with me in your copy of the scriptures to Matthew chapter 24. I want to take a look just a moment at how Jesus talked about his second coming. And why that gives us great hope where we are today. Matthew 24, I'm going to start reading in verse 30. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. There are three things right here in this little text that I want to draw your attention to. And the first is just point blank. There's no way getting around it. Jesus is coming again. You have, if you look anywhere throughout scripture, you cannot avoid the fact that Jesus talks about he's coming again. He is coming back. If we wanted to, to kind of take those pieces out of scripture, we would just really honestly need to throw the whole Bible away. It litters scripture. It is woven throughout the entire Bible. Jesus is coming again. I'm reminded of Acts chapter 1 where, he, where we read, And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood up by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Or 1 Thessalonians 4, when it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Jesus is coming again. We can be confident in that because of, and because of this, we have hope. Friends, if you're sitting here today and you're struggling to have hope, remember This life is not forever. It's not. Jesus is coming. It may be while you're here. It may be afterwards. I don't really know. But Jesus is coming. He is coming. But the second thing we see here in this text is actually Jesus is coming in a far different way than he came the first time. You see, Jesus is not coming in in his humble beginnings like he did When he was born of Mary. No, he's coming in power and in glory and in might. He's not coming as the humble servant. He's coming as the reigning king. I'm reminded of of Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 and 8 where it says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. When Jesus comes again, he will come as a reigning king. But he's coming with a specific purpose. And we see this at the end of Matthew 24 and verse 31. He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. You see, Jesus is coming again. He's coming in power and in might. But if you are a Christian today, he's coming for you. He's coming to take you home. He's coming to bring you home. 
Hebrews 9, 28 describes it like this. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Hear that word, waiting. Advent season is a season of waiting. It reminds us what we wait for. Jesus will return for his people. He's not coming again to die for sin once again. That's been accomplished once and for all. No, he is coming to take his people home. We can be sure of it. Scriptures are clear. You see, that's why we have hope. We have hope because he's coming again and he's coming for us. Listen, I know, I know that life is hard. And it is hard to have hope when it seems like everything in our world is crumbling apart. I know on most days, just if we were to be honest, it feels like we're on the wrong side of history. It feels like we're on the wrong side of history. Our culture is pursuing things that are completely against God's design. Why do we continue to to struggle with the things of this world, the sinful brokenness in this world? Why do I struggle with my own sin in my own life still? If this is how you feel, if you feel broken, discouraged, yet filled with hope, Actually, I want to just remind you that Advent is for you today. Bonhoeffer, in that same sermon that I quoted earlier, he said this, just explains it so well. He said, not all, not all can wait. Certainly not those who are satisfied, contented, and feel that they live in the best of all possible worlds. Those who learn to wait are uneasy with their life but yet have seen a vision of greatness in the world of the future and are patiently expecting its fulfillment. The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. Friends, if you know that you are poor and imperfect, if you often are troubled in your soul, Advent is for you. To look back and to look ahead. Because Jesus is coming again. This is where we find hope. Not just specifically only for Advent season as we lead up to to Christmas. But at very least for this season. This is where we find hope. Something greater is coming as Bonhoeffer said. In the new heaven and the new earth, we will experience new life that is not tainted by sin's curse. I want to read to you from Revelation 21. Just quite honestly, because if this doesn't give you hope, I'm I'm not sure what will. Revelation 21, starting in verse 1. This is what God's word says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. 
He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. (laughs) Can you imagine a world without tears? Can you imagine just for a moment a world without death? Can you imagine just for a moment a world without sin? Jesus is coming, and that's what he's bringing. A new heaven and a new earth. That, brothers and sisters in Christ, is how and why we have hope. Because Jesus is coming. I want to ask you to consider one question with me right now. Ask yourself this. How would my life look different if I embraced this kind of hope-filled waiting? How would my life look different if I fully embraced this hope-filled waiting? As I sat preparing this and even asking myself that question, there were a lot of things that came to mind. I think it would increase my boldness with my neighbors to talk about Jesus as often as I can because I know Jesus is coming. I'm convinced of it. If I embrace this kind of hope-filled waiting, I would continue to make better decisions with my money and with my time because I know Jesus is coming and he is my hope. I don't know what it is for you as you think about waiting with hope But if the Lord is bringing something to mind that needs to be adjusted in your life, whether it's repentance or or rejoicing or a little bit of both, write it down. Don't let this moment by. May the Lord help all of us to do these kinds of things, to grow in our ability to hopefully wait. Dr. Ryan Reeves, in an article on the Advent, he just said it really well and really succinctly. This is in your bulletin there. He says, we are not a people who merely look to the one moment God broke into history. We await his coming again in glory when the king's reign shall be on on earth as it is in heaven. You see, we have hope both because of the past and of the future. Our hope points both directions. Bonhoeffer finished his Advent sermon with these words. And I want to read them to you because just quite honestly, I can't say it any better than he did. He says this, Christ knocks. It is not yet Christmas. And neither is it yet the great last Advent, the second coming of Christ. Through all the Advents of our life, we shall wait and look forward with longing for the day of the Lord. When God says, I make everything new. Advent is a time of waiting. Our life is a time of waiting, waiting for the time when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Then all people will be as brothers and sisters rejoicing in the words of the angel's song. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Learn to wait. For he has promised to come. Behold, I stand at the door. 
But now we call to him, yes, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Jesus will make all things new. We wait not because we have nothing else to do, but because we were made for eternity with God. There is hope, brothers and sisters in Christ. There is hope because Jesus accomplished what he set out to do. And there is hope because he is going to return. Until then, we wait. Until then, we wait with hope. For there is hope.